Did you say anything so I can make sure that the volume is good? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. All right, <laughs> perfect. So hi, everyone. And hello, Mr. Obo Jones. Um, my name is Holden Stefan Roy, and welcome to Bridge the Gap. This is the show where we talk to very interesting people such as yourself, and we effectively walk through your life and we extract the different knowledge nuggets that we can extract based upon the experiences that you have had and in my efforts to evolve the show. Um, my new first question is, why don't you just introduce yourself right quick and let us know a little bit uh, where you're from, like born, and uh, you know, just a little bit what you do. Uh, well, um, first of all, thanks for having me here. I really appreciate that. Uh, my name is Old Jones, O-W-O Jones. Um, and uh, I'm originally from Nigeria and uh, been in Montreal for almost 20 years. Yeah, um, <laughs> you don't even worry. So yeah, what do you do real quick? But let's, let's leave it there for the where you're from part. That's a great start. So it makes me even more excited for the next question. But what do you do real quick so that people know? Okay, so um, I'm a spoken word artist and I'm transitioning into pop. Nice. All right. So now we have a little bit of context for the people that have never heard of you, which is fair enough. And now we're going to get to know who O.O. Jones is. And I do have a bit of a token first question that I like to ask everybody. It's a little bit of a story. And when it lands, you can feel free how to answer it however you want. And then uh, we'll, we'll go through it. Don't worry. It's going to be wonderful. So okay. it all starts <laughs> off with my girlfriend. And she's washing the dishes. And she's got her phone playing this music song, this one song. It's the the Black Eyed Peas track. The, I got a feeling. Ooh. And she's like vibing. She's dancing. She's having a good time. She's washing the dishes. And I'm like thinking about it. And I'm like, yo, that's crazy. This is like 2020. And she's bopping out to this track. And if I think about it, 10 years before that, we were all in the clubs, real trunk, dancing, you know, in a whole different vibe, a whole different mind state to the same very song. And that got me realizing, yo, music like changes over time. So it's like it has a vibe in like 2010. And by 2020, the whole vibe of the track has evolved and become something different with this whole new purpose within the society around it. And with that, it got me really thinking about music. Like, yo, Autumn Cardi B's and things like that. That's the music that people are going to do chores to 10 years from now. And now it's just like a crazy thought for me. But then it got me thinking a bit about our own musical journeys. How when we start talking about this stuff, we often start at adolescence. You know, when we get our own identity, when we start caring about things. And that's not really the beginning of the journey at all. That's actually just, you know, adolescent phase. It's, it's a phase in the journey. Really, this stuff starts at the inception point, like as early as we can remember. Like in my case, I can remember being like four or five years old. And my dad has all these like gray boxes, the amps and the radios and the tape decks and the this. They're all like linked together and plugged into these speakers. And he would play these like Led Zeppelin tapes a lot and different things like that. At nighttime, it was the the radio with the MC Marios and the EDMs and the shit like that. And then at Christmas time, as an example, there was this one tape that was Christmas EDM techno remix things for the classic Christmas songs. It was bad, but it was just always there at Christmas. And then like my mom's had... I just remember disco tapes and musicals. I don't remember a lot else from her end of it. It is what it is. So I was wondering, 
if you could bring us back to the earliest that you can remember as a little Owo Jones and a little bit of the soundscape of what it's like. But on top of that, you're in Nigeria, which is just like a whole brand new one for us. What's it like? Like, what does it sound like to be like super young in Nigeria? Uh, to be honest with you, I was like to like probably age of uh, like five years old. Then, then after that, I went to Venezuela. But for what I can remember, um, there was a lot of um, connection, connecting with everybody. Like all the neighbors knew me. Um, we, I knew the neighbors. Um, it was very hot, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, um, obviously some parts of poverty. But I did not really. I didn't grow up in the the poverty, so I got to see the the greater part of Nigeria. So, yo, what kind of music is lit in Nigeria? Do you remember any of it from when you were like five? Like what it like the vibes of it? I remember my dad used to listen a lot to Chino Pita's um, Fela Kuti, which is a big those are big time legends. Um, what kind of music? But, uh, is they, that? but then, pardon me. What kind of music is that? It's a uh, Yoruba music. Um, Afro the initial Afro Afro beat. Okay. Like Fela Kuti is known to be Mr. Afro beat. Okay, so basically you're starting off with those kinds of sounds at the very, very beginning of your life. And then... Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, in, in Nigeria, obviously. Yeah. But um, at that time, I was not really into music, per se. You know, I was just more into, like, sports, uh, soccer, like what we call football over there. Mm. Yo, that's... Honestly, I'm super fascinated by that. Just the idea that, like, you were in Nigeria. Like, to me, that's cool. <laughs> That's like actually seeing other cultures. And then you went to Venezuela when you were five. So now you've already hopped to yeah. another continent and already done more travel to like a whole bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, um, went to Caracas, um, lived there for uh, like probably like four years. And uh, then from there, uh, came to Montreal. So what's it like in Caracas? So at this point, you've probably got some more memories because you're like in that five-ish range. Um, what's it like in Venezuela? What's the vibe? Yeah, it was... Um, Venezuela is very cool. Um, There's no... Uh, I had it before Chavez, you know, so it was very peaceful. Um, uh, opportunities. Um, very hot, obviously. Um, there was black people. I, I got I got to see a lot of um, white people because when I was in Nigeria, I didn't see it a lot. So I got to see a lot of white people, Spanish people, and from there, I learned Spanish. So you're already multilingual at the beginning points right away. Like, just that's how your life starts with a bunch of languages being introduced. And how many languages can you speak at this point? Uh, I could speak officially three, like fluently. English, French, and Spanish. Yo, that is fucking cool to me. So what kind of music is popping in Venezuela when you're like five, six? Are you like into the dancing vibes of it? Is it like, do, like what's, what's the energy? There's, there's, a lot of, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of salsa merengue. But um, at that time, um, I found uh, my my love, um, which is uh, Michael Jackson. Yeah. And uh, my, brother was, my brother had the Dangerous album at a time and uh i took it from him and i played it and uh I, that's when i fell in love with music um that's when i really like i love michael jackson and from there i knew that like uh something that music is gonna 
do something in my life, you know, so. That's incredible. So you, like, from the time you were, like, super young, were able to identify because of my clutch. Like, what's crazy is you're, like, the eighth or ninth person to directly link Michael Jackson to an inspiration to like wanting to pursue music or becoming like completely in love with it over his music alone. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised he's a legend, but uh, it was more it was more to to live more. I, I really love Michael Jackson for his charity work. Um, his music grew on me more and more and more, but uh, I use it more as like what he did, what he meant, you know, then from there, I started listening to his music. That's so interesting. So basically it's the idea of Michael Jackson was more impactful than Michael yes. Jackson himself. And then because he was such a fascinating person, you were able to then delve into his catalog and become interested in his music. I don't think I've heard that before. Yeah. That's Cause obviously, nifty. I, uh, yeah. like I obviously I knew his hit songs at, at that time, but, uh, once I, 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 uh, I saw his artwork, I was like, who's this guy? And, uh, every time I had opportunity to, to hear something or see something with Michael Jackson, then I'll hear, like, uh, and realize that this guy is an amazing person. And I just, con that love is continued. And mm -hmm. I use it like on my day, day to day. And it's part of my character. And you got that from like, when you were super young in Venezuela introduced to him. So. Yeah. What ended up uh, making y'all come to Montreal? Um, let's just say uh, my my dad had to start over his life, mm. and um, we had to start over. And we came as uh, refugees, and um, we fought our way out, try to try to get things done, and it was not easy. And uh, Eventually, I was the one in 2018 that was able to, you know, live live okay. If we could say that way. Yo, that is, that's big. So you basically, by the time you're like, let's say 10 or so, have gone from Nigeria to Venezuela. Then from Venezuela, you had to restart and go through the refugee process, like, the, to like get to Canada and then integrated to Montreal. And then from that point on, it isn't even until you're like 18 that you get a sense of like stability. Let's just say something like that. Yeah. Um, and it makes you humble. It makes you um, realize that um, you're a nobody, but you could become a somebody and people don't realize how lucky they are. You know, just the fact that they are born um, in certain places. You know, so um, when you're not when you're not born in those certain places and you're able to take advantage of them, um, you know that this worse automatically because you've seen worse. You know, so I'm I'm very um, humbled every day to be in Canada, to be in North America. Yeah, that's big. So like, when you after Michael Jackson, when did you really start to like develop a more broad taste in music and start to really explore it more? Um, well, in Montreal, like, uh, obviously I grew up with, uh, um, and Point St. Charles, um, Little Burgundy, St. Henry and Lachine. Um, so there's a lot of, um, different, uh, tastes. Um, let's just say like, uh, I, I love soca. I love, um, reggae, Tupac. 
Um, the love of rap, especially Lil Wayne. Mm. Um, also, I, I was a big fan of Usher. Um, I'm big, I used to really love all his songs at that time. But it, it, besides that, it was just 98% Michael Jackson. Like, so basically, it was another question I would have then. So you get to Montreal, and you're not really from here. So how do you like get integrated into things? Do you end up having to go to French school then? Yeah, I had to, I had to go to French school because obviously my parents did not. Yeah, there's a rule that um, if your parents didn't go to English school in Canada, you have to if you're in Quebec, you have to go to French school. So um, went to what we call class that carry, and uh, from there um, learned French. Um, since I already had a, the Spanish, um, French became easy. It took me like maybe um, seven to ten months to learn. So you're able to, uh, you were able to assimilate a lot quicker than say somebody that had no foundation then, and so you end up going to French school here and going through all of that. At any point during this, are you like discovering your passion to like actually make music, or is it just like you're a fan or you're into consuming it? No, I'm, at, at that time I'm into consuming it. I'm, I'm more of a, you know, we grew up in those in those areas I mentioned. Um, obviously, it was. Um, poverty stricken um and also um not a lot of opportunities so you basically fall into you know gangs and all that so you're not really thinking about your art you're thinking about surviving you're thinking about um what you can't get at home you 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 try to get in the, with your homeboys and the people you go to school with right so um i was more of that kind of person versus admitting to any creative uh, opportunity from within yeah it's really big that you said that still because um like here's why i say that um at this point in my life i understand the significance of saying that that's where you grew up in those times but i didn't know what that meant until like i was really a fully grown adult right because there really is like a, <laughs> a, a bit of a tale of two cities in montreal sometimes or probably more than two but like i grew up in ndg but didn't know what NDG was mm. from the other side of NDG because we just never went DG? to the parks. Yeah. Like, I grew up in Costa Luke DG, right? <clears throat> I went to Wigger, uh -huh. and yeah. I didn't actually understand the significance of what was happening in a lot of neighborhoods or at least what a lot of people's parents were involved with or things like that because it's just the nature of things. My parents were just not there. Like, we were not involved in any of that. We went up this whole other side of life, and then I'm like, nah, Montreal. And then people are like, nah, bro, you don't understand. Back in the day, and broke it down. But, like, so even today, when we look at the, like, geographical landscape, of the, it's, like, not at all like what it was. It's, like, um, a significantly improved, at least from the, from what I understand it used to be like. So just to hear, like, you describe that environment in the same city that I grew up with, that forced you to feel that way where you had to push the creativity to decide is pretty big to me, you know? Yeah. Um, and ironically, this is a creative city. <laughs> That's true. Eh? But yeah, it's, it's just, it's incredible how many different, I guess, realities can be in the, in the same spot. And that's kind of like why we really like doing this show is cause it helps everyone have a, a, a better sense of empathy to, to understand, like say where you come from, so now it's like when I see you posting stuff later on on Facebook, like I understand so much more the depth behind it than I could have at that time. You know, like when we encountered each other in the past, it was like, cause I didn't even know, I didn't even know that happened in my city at that time. So since then, you know, 
I don't know. I'm just grateful that you're willing to share all this. It's really cool of you. Uh, no, I appreciate that. I hope it can inspire someone else too that's going through. Uh, I went through what I went through. I think. Uh, I think people, when they see it, will be inspired by you because you're an inspiring person that's done a whole bunch of stuff since then. You know, like. So let's say you get outside of high school, your life hits 18. What changes at that point? Well, what changes at that point is that, like, uh, it's like obviously, um, I'm not with my parents anymore. Um, so um, I'm, I'm in Canada, and all I know is that uh, I got to hustle, man. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's the only thing I got to do is just hustle. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I don't really care what happens tomorrow. I got to survive right now. You feel me? So, um, like I said, I was not really allowed to do a couple of things. So I had to go to the streets. So at the same time, I'm developing as a man, um, you know, making decisions. And each decision I'm, I'm making, I'm telling myself, like, I want to pay for this when I'm 30 and more. So I got to make sure that any decision I make, any crucial decision I make uh, is, is going to be worth it. So having that fear made me take wise decisions. And uh, from there, um, let's just say my mid-20s, um, I found out that um, I got art in me. And uh, let's just say my lawyer told me that um, I had to showcase um, something to 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 win my my immigration case and she said do what you love doing so what do, what do you mean by that so you have it i don't know how much you want it or can talk about it but like that sounds like i don't know anything yeah, so, about the immigration system really in that regard or what it's like to go through any of that yeah, yeah let's just say um I, I i was i was finding this case for my whole through my, throughout my whole life and experience in canada and in 2018, I was able to beat this case, and um, it was going going on since 2016, and that's when um, I became O. It's not because I wanted to become an artist, to be honest with you. It was more because my lawyer told me to do what you love doing because you might get deported, you know. So I told myself, what do I love doing, and. I love writing poems and I love motivating people because motivating people motivates me. So when did you so, start uh, writing poetry? Well, I've been doing this uh, poetry since like, I say four or five years old. Mm. So how did you get yeah. into that? Like when did you start writing poems at like four or five years old? Um, let's just say um, loneliness. Um, okay. Since since um, I didn't really grow up with my my brothers and sisters, um, and when I was with them, we didn't really have that that much communication. So my whole life, I've been more to myself. So, and obviously, I was into Michael Jackson and into music, and uh, I just words just started coming out, and I didn't ignore them. I didn't see it as what people would call a poem. I just saw it as a way to just let myself go and, you know, create imagining friends and 
imaginary situations, my own planet. That's what I call writing. Yeah, yeah that's so really I, cool, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, Seab so I always says knew. what's up. Pardon me? Seab Dread says what's up. Hey, what's up, what's up? <laughs> How you doing? No, so that's cool. So you've basically been writing poetry throughout your whole life and being creative, like, since time, like, since the very beginning. Yeah, since the very beginning, but I never, like, really showed anybody. Like, uh, it was really, like, just for me. Like, I found it even corny uh, most of my time, most of the time. Then uh, when you had, I had, when, I had, when you were told that you got to do what you love doing and you got six months to do it, you really gotta ask yourself, what can you do for 12 hours every day for the rest of your life without feeling any sweat? And to me it was writing poems and motivating people. Like I will not mind doing that for the rest of my life. So I uh, showed my poems and my, my friend was like, that's what you call spoken words. So I Googled what is spoken words. And I saw YouTube, saw Williams. I was like, man, that, that's just like a pastor who's just rhyming. I could do that. <laughs> Not to disrespect what, what spoken words is and all that, but based on my cultural background and the people I've been around, I could handle that kind of creativity with the poems I write. So I was like, all right, let's do this. And I, almost every show I was asking people, can you, can you sign just to say that I was here and so we developed a... So how, how a, did you get into performing it? So you, you Google what is spoken word. You're like, I could do this. And the next thing you know, you're at shows already. So how did you end up getting to the shows? Is there a big scene here for spoken <laughs> word? Uh, there's a big scene. Um, let's just say there's an improving scene. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, uh, how did I get... That was your question. How did I start getting performances? Um, I was invited to this, um, it was a Black History Month, and I was invited to perform, that was my first show. But my first ever performance was with a church. Okay. And um, I, was, I was already, oh well, I was just contemplating, how am I gonna perform? And it was Easter, where we had like a an acting, a show for Easter and the pastor told me to choose a passage and I, I chose a passage and he said, are you going to perform it? Cause I told him that I was thinking about, about this old stuff. And he said, are you going to perform it? I was like, what? Yeah. Perform it. So I actually performed it. And that was the first time I ever performed the spoken words. And from there, I was like, you know what? I could do this. I felt good, felt comfortable. And when I went to the black history month, People liked it, and from there, I, I I look for offers. I get offers to perform it. Yo, that's that's so cool. Like, just that <laughs> you. Well, I mean, to me, it is like. First of all, I I think a lot of things are cool. So maybe my threshold for what's cool isn't like the greatest, but I love your story so far, and I love the fact that you just literally Googled it, and from Googling it ended up performing at church ended up performing at like things and it just again yeah, it just kept working out and now i'm getting offers and i just do them i mean there is a degree of fucking awesomeness to that like simplicity of how 
you were able to just via self-awareness identify what you could do like yo i know a lot of people that gun to their head ask what could you do for the rest of your life no sweat could never answer the question and you were just like okay i got six months to be fair not many of us have probably faced six months to deportation that's a big thing and you get told prove that i guess you have value do what you love etc go out there and then you you just do you just run it like yeah. that is a pretty incredible thing i just need to make sure that that is understood and stated um so you get in so what does owo mean uh, it started with um overwhelmed with opinion mm. yeah then uh transition to one within one what does one within one mean there's a you and me and there's a me and you <laughs> that is a super simple answer <laughs> but i like yeah. it um yeah. it's like a community move yeah we're we're all one so uh you sacrifice a little bit and i sacrifice a little bit the world will be a better place that's really simple and beautiful too i like it i like how you can <laughs> boil shit down like that like yo i would take like 17 sentences just to say the same thing um uh, but like that's amazing. So you have this Ovo Jones character that you've now built. You spit in the poetries. And then what happens next is you evolve it. Uh, what happens next is that um while while I was trying to trying to with this uh case, um I was uh, I was with my one of my friends, um uh, Mirror Life Flagger, and uh we we developed a, a system where we could help artists. Um try to try to work with their visuals you know and we did that we tried it out for two years um during that time frame uh, i saw myself i saw my clients as me so after the two-year experience it gave me ideas uh, and perspective of what it is to be an artist the, the 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 basis of starting to become an artist start taking it seriously so this is where I've been since I'm there. I've been discovering myself and releasing um, music, poetry, bit by bit. And uh, just... I mean, you've, uh, done, you've done a whole bunch more. I mean, I can say straight up that you're one of the dudes that threw shows that I got to perform at. So, I mean, you've definitely <laughs> done more things than just uh, the, the, the... Like, how did... How did like, cause, and I say it like that because there was a period of the time where you're coming into it where the city's kind of like going through a weird transitionary phase, we can call it. And all I know is I haven't gone to that many jam rooms in my life to prep a show. And yet when I interacted with you, there was a jam room. And then when I did this show with this fucking like, it was it was like the song order was randomized was your like how are we gonna deal with people bouncing out the fucking show early i was like that's like really impressive shit i feel like you're glossing over some of the stuff that you've done in that two-year period yeah, yeah um yeah thanks uh creating shows uh also uh created a show um that helped charities um i, I did a little bit of uh, i had a band so i, I touched a little bit of music to just to um, understand what is to be out there, um, and now I'm 
I'm really sheltering myself while I'm improving, tweaking a couple of things. You know? So that's where I am right now in terms of my art. Fair enough. Um, so like, I guess what, what, so why you, you basically are working on videos. What, what exactly were you guys doing? Were you guys filming music videos for people? or visual oh, no. we're, 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 we're basically helping artists from scratch so um if you want to become we told us you want to become an artist and uh you you have a you have a, a confidence and you just need some guidance we will take you from from a to z almost you know so uh it was it was it was to just experience how it is um i after two years got the knowledge and the the experience to try to fix myself and go out there. Um, Miro and Ashley, they got to continue um, um, with their own business. So everyone's doing good. No, man, I'm just so fascinated by like what you did. Cause, Cause like, I don't even think people know that this kind of service exists, right? Like, I guess it's artist development or at a more branding conceptual level. Like, I'm just trying to better understand it because again, like, one of the things I realized is people, at least in Montreal, aren't aware of what's in Montreal. So it's a lot of <laughs> yeah. people like kind of floating around trying to like figure stuff out. So like, what does an artist development service actually do? Like, what is the benefit of that for a person going through it? Um, when, when we were doing it, um, we were helping, uh, I used to say, um, for you to really be honest with your craft. Okay. You know? So um, obviously the elements of a business, which is required for you to register your business, um, have a logo, um, but those are the basic things. But what what we found that we stood out was that we actually um, helped the client um, with their visuals. Um, we we paid a little bit more attention to to the visuals. So um, that's why I noticed that um, a lot of a lot of artists in Montreal, including myself too, um, we need to make sure that we have visuals are on point when you say visuals you mean like music videos music videos your pictures um just mm. your, your image in, in general that's fair um most of us probably don't think that hard, long and hard on the visual side of our presentation and it's probably more important than a lot of us care about because you know instagram wouldn't be popping if visuals weren't that cool or tiktok uh, yeah. you know like proofs in the pudding over there so that's interesting that you did that. And then how did you get into just throwing shows? Uh, really just saying I need to, I need to throw a show. Um, find out what was, what was the purpose of throwing a show and if the purpose was worth it. Um, just do it. Obviously, um, I'll ask a couple of people that uh, I've thrown shows before to give me a little advice. But uh, it's just executing it and from there you on your on your way. You're gonna find out what you need to do and what you shouldn't do. So you just like approach this whole thing like uh, you have a, an idea to go do something. You find out if it's really worth doing. You test it out and then decide if you want to keep doing it or not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's serious. So after a couple of years of being part of the artist development thing, what when did you was that like 2016? You said or around that time. Yeah, from, it was from 2016 to 2018, late 2018. Okay, so in 2018, what happens to make you decide to not want to be a part of this anymore? Well, 
obviously I'm mean, not going into details because of course respect to the yeah, clients. Yeah. But uh, um, let's just say that uh, I, I had to really focus on my personal life, you know, and uh, sometimes uh, being a what what you say a coach or someone that's uh, making sure that uh, you're making you accountable, their personal life too gets affected and. I was new at this, so I had to be accountable for my own self too. And I was realizing that I was losing myself while helping others, you know? So Miro and, and, and Ashley, they, uh, they continue their own version of uh, their own way of, of what we were doing. And uh, from there, it gave me the opportunity to focus on my personal life. Um, it's been almost uh, more than like, this is my first time in my life where I'm actually, I actually take my own decisions. I don't have to wait on no one, depend on no one. So uh, I'm just embracing it right now. Yeah, that's big. So you were in Atlanta, you said, for a while, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh my gosh. I was there for five, five, five months, almost six months. How, how did you end up in Atlanta? Like, um, Let's say uh, I got family there. Okay. Yeah, family there. So uh went to go visit and uh, to see uh, what opportunities there. And what's it like in Atlanta? Because, I mean, according to, like, everybody here, Atlanta's the mythical city of success and prosperity. Uh, to be honest with you, um, Atlanta was a... Uh, well, shout out to everyone I met in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> and Atlanta was very beautiful, Um uh, so much opportunity is very true. Um, you could just be walking, and uh, I was just walking sometimes, and people would ask me, uh, "Oh, um, you should be a model." Um, like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Um, here's here's uh, here's my Instagram. You know, um, the, the the Uber or the Lyft driver has a second uh, has an Instagram and is a photographer. You know, um, so much opportunity, very very much coming from someone from Montreal. Um, this is like there's everyone. Anything you need, there's like three, four people doing it, you know, and which is very amazing. So any artist that they would like to like save money on the on the creative fees, Atlanta is definitely a place to go. You know? so, so when you say save money, as in like these people are doing it for free, or is it just more affordable? No, let's just say it's it's less expensive than than what you you be for what you get. Like you'd be surprised, like only that, okay. So um, very humble prices in Atlanta. Interesting. I mean, yeah. I don't know how to compare it. I imagine the cost of living in Atlanta is extremely different than the cost of living in Montreal, just in all aspects of life. Like, um, yeah. but I've been trying to figure out what's in Montreal, and I know that I've like had to really like dig through the crates of Montreal, so to speak, to start finding stuff. But there's things here. It's just not as easy as getting into an Uber, <laughs> getting an offer. <laughs> But I, I do believe that with 4 million people, there's got to be an assortment, and I say for the greater Montreal area, that includes like oh, Laval okay. and shit. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of people. I just think it's disorganized, not so much that it doesn't exist. Um, but it's interesting at how like available things can be. That is like a fascinating transition. Um, what, what, what else is it like in Atlanta? Like most of us have never been there. Um. Obviously, like uh, the the what what got me very like 
surprising was people walking around with guns. The, the, the open, <laughs> open carry law is, is uh, like you see people with look at their their waist and you see it, you know. So it's very uh, very uh, surprising to me. Go to a barber shop, you see it. Um, the the fascination for music, like a lot of people love music, like they really really love music. It's really that part of their life, like everyone. Um, also, uh, very beautiful city, very beautiful city. Um, there's uh, a lot of places, and everyone's on the road. Everyone's on the road. What do you yeah. mean? Um, you wouldn't see no one like really walking. Everyone has a car. Um, everyone's busy. You know, um, evening time, people will go. Their garage is open. Yeah, it's kind of like a lot of people live the same kind of life in, in uh, Atlanta when I notice, when you, when you think about it. That's nifty. And it's just the idea that people don't walk as much. Like, that's such a different yeah, vibe. Crazy. Yeah, from, from a Montreal area, I was like, wow, man, damn, no, one, no, one, no one's walking. Like, wow. Yeah. Even, even the downtown, like, no one's walking. That's actually a cool observation. Um, so are there any modern artists that you like look up to that you feel like are totally worth like emulating in the way that they they live or based on it because you I mean you have this experience as an artist developer so your lens is going to be a little bit different than say the rest of us um like a current artist that, that i really really like uh wow well it's more I like from the who's worth emulating as like uh their business is on lock oh um Akon. Okay. Akon is, uh, to me, he's someone that uh, I would love to get signed by Akon. You know, I would love to do business with Akon. I love his career path. I love uh, how he uh, just was able to start from scratch mm -hmm. and become such a great artist, you know, and businessman, obviously. Isn't he building a city, like, right now? Yeah. Like yeah, $6 billion worth of city. Brought electricity to a lot of places in Africa, a lot of cities in Africa. Signed a lot of uh, um, um, Nigerian artists. So Akon is doing very well. Yeah, that's real cool. And it, it's true. He really is does. Like he, like, he disappeared to go save his fucking country. It's kind of what I got the impression of, or at least play his part in, like, really... Like, he worked with governments and, like, top-level people and, like, found the financing and just did it all and because I believe his grandmother didn't have electricity in it or internet or something. Yeah, we went to visit her. That's yeah. serious. That's a great role model. Yeah, yeah um, that's what I love. I love um, Africans, uh, African boys dream, you know, to, you know, um, come back and and uh, just give back, you know, and not just uh, give the fish, but teach how to catch the fish, you know, bring all the instruments that's needed, you know, so. That's one of our dreams. So Akon's a great, great role model. So what what are you up to these days then? Are you uh, working on albums? Are you working on a bunch of music? Oh, good question. Um, I'm transitioning to pop. So um, definitely I'm making my kind of music, my music that makes me happy, um, my music that uh, just showcases how I feel. So... Um, my first steps was like to really make sure that I could conquer this mind over the body when it comes to um, my diet. So I finally conquered it and 
now we're just going to do a couple of photo shoots and the videos. And uh, by the end of the year, we should have something. So basically, your plan is to go down the path of looking good and dropping that more pop vibe is what I'm to take from that. Um, yeah, just to showcase much more happiness. Um, because the past past three, four years, I've been showcasing a lot of uh, darker side of OO. Um, and uh, now uh, I feel like uh, it's time to showcase uh, the, the happier side, which is like more who I am, right? Because I took the time to heal myself, took the time to, you know, listen to myself and, you know, Fair enough. I think that's big. Do you think that like the isolationism of 2020 had a part of transitioning to happier times inside of yourself? Um, everything is an influence to be honest with you, but uh, I find my, my experience in general, um, I always am always a happy person, but uh, you know, um, I gotta be true to my art and uh, these years I've not been in the best mood ever. And now, I, I just, I'm just happier and, uh, it makes sense not to showcase uh, my happier side. And, uh, so basically your plan then is to go out there and pursue that. Uh, do you have like, like stuff underway that you're already working on or is it more just like a general sense of where you're going with it? Um, uh, both, both, um, so basically, uh, if, if my lifestyle is, is happy, then obviously my the art I want to create is going to be happy. So definitely both and uh, how do you feel about like the transition towards this virtual existence where stuff like twitch is kind of popping in and instead of just everything being real life there's not this virtual existence that's playing simultaneous to it all um obviously in the first uh, year I, I felt a little uncomfortable because uh, i'm used to performing in, in, the, in the metro in the streets um, I'm used to having that, that human connection, you know, that's why I, I find I thrive better, you know, and, uh, obviously not being able to, to have that connection, um, as before made, made me feel, uh, like lose a little confidence in, in myself. But when you get to opportunities like yourself to, to be able to communicate, um, when you realize that you have a, a following and they interact with you. So you just have to adapt and, uh, I'm starting to like it now. That's dope. Um, so could you see yourself doing something like starting up a Twitch channel and going live and, and like doing your own thing to interact with people, like writing poetry live or I don't know, whatever else you would do in terms of content. Um, I definitely, I'll definitely take that in consideration. Um, just that you have to create time for that, right? And uh, that it's not something I'll, 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 I'll love to do halfway, you know, I'll, something I'll like to do like 100%. So it's it's always, it's always, always put down the table and see um, with time, right? So. That's super dope. Um, so I see that you've definitely been putting out a bunch of things recently. Well, I saw at the end of 2020 was I think the last I saw do you have any like upcoming singles or anything that's like lined up that we should be watching for? Um, within the next um one or two months from now, I'm um, gonna close down the, the the dates. Um, we have a video, um, a spoken words video. That's that's how much I can say right now. 
um, that that's me um, behind the scenes. We're working, um, working very hard with a couple of people, new people. But yeah. So um, when it comes to Mon- the Montreal scene, are there any people here that you in particular like or their music you just vibe with? Um, there's a lot. And <laughs> oh, my gosh, if I name one or two, people would be like, why do you name me? Yeah. But, but obviously, um, I mess with um, a lot of people, man. Um, obviously, I mess with Kay Goons. Um, I mess with uh, Nate. Nate. You know, I have to mention the, the top of my, my hood. Um, obviously, kicks out to Kate Chanada, you know. And and everyone else, you know, um, people are making moves in Montreal, you know. I definitely think it's in a pretty optimistic state. Um, what do you think, this one's from the comments, uh, what do you think about the writing lyrics for other rappers? Um, okay, uh, Obviously, like uh, your artistic ego kicks in and says, oh, no, no, no. But at the same time, um, the business side and also um, the appreciation of the, the that, that artist's fans, they, they might like it too. So I was 60 40. 60% I would do it, 40% no. I love the honesty there. And it is a big battle that you face inside, just the idea, or like, what if you write it? And then you really like it, and now you have to give it to that guy because of some contract or whatever. That guy, yeah. That's my biggest fear with that whole world. Um, mm-hmm. So is there anything else that you are up to, like, passion-wise, things that people don't know about Obo Jones that you want to share? Because at the end of the day, a lot of this show is about getting people to see the person a bit behind the character. Oh, well... Uh... I, I I one day want to become a, a street pastor, so I love um, motivating people. I love being around people, and uh, some a lot of times uh, I got people who message me that about questions about their life and how I could help them. So um, that's uh, something I don't really mention. But yeah, if any if you guys uh, who are watching, you know, um, need someone to talk to, you can always message me and uh, yeah. Uh, super fair. Um, I, <clears throat> at this point, um, honestly, I'm not sure uh, if you have anything else that you would like to say to the people out there. Um, well, you're not alive if you're not living to make a change. You know, um, don't don't be scared to start from scratch. Um, tomorrow was. Yesterday was was today's tomorrow, you know. So you just gotta keep grinding. See, I got another uh, question for you. Um, when did you connect with religion? When did I connect with religion? Yeah. Um, I guess the better question would be when did I reconnect? Um, because what when I was my whole life uh, grew up in Christianity. Um, I started having beef with with God. Um, when things were not falling my way and uh, I had to, I was struggling and I found it was not fair. And my reconnection was, let's just say, uh, 
let's just say they point a gun at you and uh, you think you're gonna die. And you tell yourself, you know what? Believe in God or not, at least if I believe, if, if I, there's a heaven, at least I'm, I'm going to heaven. And mm -hmm. if, it, if it didn't exist, everyone else ain't going going to heaven either. You know, so I was been put I was been put in that those situations, and I called God on those situations. So. Um, from there, I just be honest with myself and uh, kept on being humble and remembering that when it was hard times, I called on God. So in good times, I'm just going to keep calling on God too. That's an incredible answer. That's like a serious moment to like reconnect with God and like to take it that seriously though. And like to make changes and like to, to inspire yourself in a sense to become the best version of yourself. Like, I, th I don't know that that's like a heroic way to approach life that not a lot of people are brave enough to do and i say brave enough because it's hard and then they even come on a camera and talk about it that's not easy <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, mean, I guess uh I, I believe i'm here for a bigger purpose right so nah it's dope uh we got another question from the chat uh who are your favorite spoken word artists um, I like Saul Williams. Um, I like Prince EA. Mm, some couple of, a couple of Montreal, some Montreal artists. But besides that, I love me. <laughs> how, how did, okay, where is the spoken word like community here? Like, I was a little bit curious about it because my homegirl apparently does spoken word here and there. And I was like, wait, there's a spoken word community? And I was all flexing like, bro, I could like go write a fucking poem and spit that shit one time. And then I was trying <laughs> to figure it out. And then I swear, COVID fucked that up for me. But I was going to go to some event that was happening in April um, just to like see if I could spoken word, <laughs> which I, I felt like um, I could do. But like, well, where is it at yeah. in the city? That's a good question. Um, I might be the wrong person to ask. I know it's weird to say, but uh, I don't really know that much. Um, I know there was uh, one, 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 um, a person, a brother called uh, Kim, Kim Dominic. He had like a group. Um, there was a community that was doing uh accepting spoken words mm -hmm. so it's not it's not a huge huge uh community it's very very small yo i could see the spoken word community popping off in freaking virtual reality because of the low technological barrier music's complicated because we need beats <laughs> so it's like hard mm -hmm. to actually deal with that in in that environment but a spoken word you just need a fucking headset and you could bust that out. I don't know, man. Would you be down for like pursuing things? And I know, given you have time, but like things like virtual, like fucking events for spoken word, like that would be the fucking latest. Anything could be possible, definitely. Um, if uh, if we have the right amount of people, um, why not? 
Yeah, I'm very, I'm very into that idea. That is logistically so easy to pull off that you would be freaking surprised. I don't, I don't know all the spoken word poets, but yo, that could be set up in like two weeks type thing. That's how simple it is right now with the tech. Not even every, people don't even need fucking VRs. It's just the environment exists and it's blessed. Um, we could talk about that definitely. Yeah, another one that's actually a good question that I forgot uh, the other term existed, but what's the difference, uh, I guess, between spoken word poetry and slam poetry? Uh, I think it's the same thing. Because mm. whenever I say, um, I, I think a lot of people say slam, it's more like French people will say slam. Because a lot of people say, trade slam, trade slam. I don't hear a lot of people say uh, slam in English. They, they say spoken words, mm. but they refer to the same art. Yo, I definitely think that's nifty. I know I've heard slam before. I never thought about it. I guess I took them as the same thing, but since we got the question, I figured I'd ask. So, do you prefer music or spoken word? Ah, uh, yeah, music. Mm. Music. Music. Um, I, I, I see spoken words more of like, like all my spoken words are kind of like prayers, right? Like uh, if you really listen to the ones that are out there, you, it's, you, if if you went to church, you see a little bit of uh, yeah, I see um, that. yeah. So that's those are my spoken words. Music is uh, I, I get to because the way I do music, I do music differently than um, a lot of people. Um, I get the idea, the melody in my head, then I add the spoken words, poetry to it, then I go to beat maker. Uh, producer and uh, we put it to life you know because I, I don't really I'm not that kind of person where you give me your beats and I just choose 12 uh, two or three that I like no I have everything here and I go so so you legit come up with all the melodies do you come up with the structure and everything so you like write the whole song in your head yeah yo do you not know pen or anything just like compose it all in your head yeah, all, all in my head, and I I hum it to the beat maker, and he arranges it. We choose the like I know like the, the instrumental that I want, and everything. That's crazy yeah. cool though. That is like not at all how I make music. I'm like way more of the yo, give me that beat that's already finished to the fullest. Like I want it to already have structure for me, so I don't have to try as hard. And then I'll meet you in the middle, buddy. That's my whole approach. So it's like. For you to actually say that and like be like, nah, I can just do this in my head and just compose. Like that's that's bigger because that's composition. You know, composition and songwriting are not the same thing. Like I fucking fancy myself a songwriter. Composer, I back the fuck up the conversation. I can do a one-two melody, but like, come on, that's like big to be able to come up with the beat and the fucking everything. But to do it in your head, that is some Michael Jackson shit. That's what Michael Jackson did. No shit. <laughs> Yeah, I got that. Um, yeah, I saw a video of him doing that, and I was like, wow. So these melodies in my head, I'm not crazy. This is actually music. Okay. You know, so, yeah. That's so fucking cool. So, like, yeah. how did you, like, go about making music? Then you would find, like, studios or? Um. So, basically, in the beginning, um, I, I was noticing that spoken words is not it's not enough for me like uh, i need i need i need more than melodies that were in my head since i was like six seven eight years old 
now now it makes sense. So uh, um, I knew that I don't, I don't, I'm not musically inclined, but I need to work with people who are really musically inclined. We cannot be two people who are who are not musically inclined in this in this realization of art, you know. Mm. So um, I realized that it's, I have to go to a beat maker that is that knows what he's doing. So I went to so um, one of the homies called Jay Century, Jason Kellner, and uh, I sang him the song, um, hummed it to him. This is what I want. You know, play things, and I tell him not ask me like this. And since he's really, really musically inclined, he was able to understand what that da 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 da. He was able to understand what that means in the piano and and all that. So from there, that gave me confidence because imagine something that you have in your head since you were like uh, 12, 13 years old, actually come to life, and it sounds like how you have it in your head. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you just you just feel alive. You know, like yeah. <laughs> Yo, that's actually, like, really, really, like, cool. I <laughs> sort of get what you mean. I can't say I've gone that far with it, but, yo, that, like, feeling of having a song come to life is powerful. But to go, like, that big with it, like, half your life, you're sitting there with this idea, and then all of a sudden it's, like, a thing. I've heard of, uh, I've heard of him. Uh, and that's fucking cool that you could just sit there while somebody, like, just does that and i feel you with the musically inclined thing if you put me in front of a piano fuck am i gonna really do here it's not my forte i'm more of a the vision side of it but i also love how you described it as art like this is an art project let's make the best art possible like wow what made you like can, can you elaborate on that more because that's an interesting perspective that a lot of people don't actually uh use that language when they describe their music Elaborate more on which part? Like the idea of it being like an art thing. So I'm like this and that. Like, I don't know. I've never heard anyone just kind of like approach it like that. Um. That, well, it's a it's a lifestyle, you know. So um, I I'm honest with my with my art. I'm honest with myself, you know. So um, I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna say that when you meet me, you could read me a hundred percent. But uh, I'm comfortable with my own skin. I'm getting more and more comfortable with my own skin. And uh, I find uh, I've been given this uh, gift of being able to express um, segments of my lifestyle um, through art. You know, so uh, I, I really love this. <laughs> if, if, am, I, am I giving this? I think that's the question you asked me. No, nah, it's a good answer, though. Um, I mean, it's a hard question because it's like, it's not like it's, sometimes my questions are like, well, they're all just kind of what I'm curious about in that second. Um, so it's like you said something that I just the way you described approaching the song, like, yo, I need somebody that knows music better than me. Oh, and the song creating and creating. Okay. Or just oh, like the whole, but it was more like the philosophical side of it. So you kind of answered it in a way that it, like did explain it for me. Like you're like, nah, it's a lifestyle. I got this life and I want to express this life. To achieve this goal, I gotta get this guy who knows more than me about this, because in my head I got like this, and like, you're like effectively an executive producer of this bigger like project, and you just figured yeah. out the the right way to bring it to life. Yeah, um, that's uh, that's why I, I think I am. Yeah, I'm an executive producer. Um, 
on everything that I touch on in regards to OO. Um, that's why sometimes it takes a little longer to to be able to release things because uh, it's, it's coming out of my own pocket and uh, on my own resources. So, uh, but um, the more I grow, the more it becomes easier, the more I understand. So, uh, and I appreciate it more. Yeah, I totally, I totally like the way you said that. Um, what kind of stuff do you think needs to change when you said live to create change? Um, what needs to change? Um, including myself too, but uh, we need to hold ourselves uh, much more accountable in uh, um, various aspects of life, you know, and I'm not going to be the one who's going to tell you what aspects of life we should all uh, um, change. But uh, whatever, when we look in the mirror, whatever you find that, if you're honest, when you have the honest conversation with yourself and uh, whatever you need to, you think you could uh, um, change, try it, you know? Yeah, that's bad nifty. So basically what you're saying is we all need to focus a little bit more on focusing on ourselves. Yeah, and the improvement part, the, the side of us that could be improved to make the world a better place. Yo, that's, that's a, I like that a lot. Do you read a lot? I read a lot, uh, let's just say I read a book every three, four months. No, uh, I got a book right here. And, and Yo, then, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I read, I read. I'm like fairly certain I've read something by James Baldwin in the last year maybe not or it's on the list uh so that's fucking cool because i mean i'm a big reader so uh believe it or not most people aren't able to just bust a, a book that they have in front of them so i really like you said three four books a year that's stellar that's excellent <laughs> i don't know if you know that that's excellent i don't care what the average is say my guy but like in terms of busy people bro Busy people don't have a lot of time to read, so if you can still bang out three to four fucking books, find the mental energy to play yourself together, that's incredible. And that's serious okay. reading. That's, like, not okay. even lightweight. Um, How about you? Me? I am currently working on The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith because oh. that guy was, like, the cornerstone of modern economics. Whether or not it's good advice... A lot of our lives are impacted by this book and i'm really into the idea of know the enemy so you should probably like read the shit that like the people read because you know modern economics is some fuckery but i don't understand what it's based on so like how can i even like understand it without like going back in time i don't know and see I read a lot of different, I read a lot of nonfiction. At one point I was like really fascinated uh, with racism as a topic. So I read a lot on stuff like slavery or a lot of the thirties, the thirties and forties isn't interesting, whether it's the KKK or individual cases like the Emmett Till book, just to like contextualize that part of life. Cause it, it is so impactful. Like the sixties is whatever, but that's what led to the sixties and just uh the prison system and reformation and all these different topics to kind of add like Crazy. i don't know a better understand i don't understand shit but like a better understanding <laughs> like at least try to like like you know what it made me realize why to kill a mockingbird's a bullshit book 
Like that's that's oh. where I got to because that book isn't very good. None of the ideas it puts forth are really good. It's like its intentions are really good, but the practical ideas it actually suggests are not very useful. They like didn't do a lot. So like I I couldn't have gotten to those kinds of conclusions without the other readings. But anyway, then I got to the economics book. But uh, what are your favorite books? Um, I got my all-time favorite, two all-time favorites. Uh, it's by the same author, um, Napoleon Hill. It's called, uh, the first one is Think and Grow Rich. Mm. And the other one is Outwitting the Devil. But what's that second one about? Um, second one is having a conversation with the devil, the devil within. Okay. So that like allows you to kind of create a sense of self-awareness or at least understanding who you are by facing the worst parts of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It just said in a philosophical way. Mm. And the yeah. same dude wrote both books. Pardon? You said the same guy wrote both books. Yes, sir. Yeah. So how to, how to deal with yourself and then how to make stacks. That's pretty powerful. That's like a that's like a good way to like completion in your life a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both balance your life. <laughs> uh, fair enough. So, what else are you up to these days? Do you have any like other creative passions that you pursue outside of writing and music? Like, are you into photography or just other you know things? Um, like uh, I started a little bit into like um, self modeling. Okay. Um, what I mean by that is that, like, um, I just imagine myself uh, in environments, and I create my own uh, photo shoot. You know, I will not. I don't. I'm not gonna wait for someone to call me and say, "Oh, I have a photo shoot idea." Um, I have photo shoot ideas, and I'll just execute them with my team. So you're like basically creating your own portfolio rather than waiting for people to give you the opportunity to create your own portfolio. But since you're doing it, it's going to be cooler. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm going to have more, more, much, uh, more control and, uh, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to do what I have in my mind. Yeah, that's cool. I don't think I really talked to that many people that were like, I'm going to turn myself into a model. And then I'm going to just do it. Like, that's a pretty bold ambition. I say, like, wow, like, I mean, really anybody can just do that, actually. Like, sure, yeah. <laughs> certain aesthetics will help certain things. But, nah, there's, like, fetishes for fucking everything. So you can basically look like anything and do what Oa just did to varying degrees of success. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that's fucking cool. Uh, what are some of the, like, fashion set ideas you've had? that I am having right now. Yeah. Like what can you share? Like with regards to like what you would do with a fashion or a photo shoot set? What I'll do. Well, I'll, well, how it works is that, uh, I'll have an, uh, an idea of, of, uh, the environment. Then from there, I'll think about clothes that will go with that environment. Then from there, I'll think about the, find a stylist then once i find a stylist um find the the location with the stylist then from there 
pick a photographer that you know that can deliver the kind of photo shoot that you want for this specific idea. You know, so it's a, uh, and we have obviously like a mood board. So it's like, uh, let's say 45% already set. And we let the 55% on the spot. Okay. So like, have you always been interested in fashion? Not, not, not like uh, per se, like interested, like, like uh, I obviously where I grew up in, in, in downtown Montreal, you had to have a little sense of swag and obviously um, um, the people I grew up with. So uh, it was not my main focus per se, but I know, I knew that, uh, you know, when you dress a little swag, you get different kind of attention. So, <laughs> so yeah, so definitely uh, something I'm really now more and more focusing on. Uh, that's, that's a good observation. Um, I definitely have noticed that swag definitely helps get certain kinds of attention that are worth more money than others. And that's just kind of <laughs> the reality of the situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, with the eyes, whatever attract the eyes. And it's it's not even like for sex or whatever. I'm just saying people in general, like especially mm -hmm. in art, like it's it's a lot more of a fashion show than I like to, I like to admit. I have to care more, so I was like, you know, I don't always brush my hair as much or whatever, but until I'm on camera, and then it's like, oh shit, now that it's long, I have to worry about brushing it more and all this other shit, you know, like. But if you don't, yeah. you look like a fucking schlump. And then you're definitely somebody that's judging you for that and clicking off 100% mm -hmm. every single time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically at this point, <clears throat> you've already dabbled in all kinds of stuff from performing. You said you were performing in the metros? Like you did this the busking stuff? Yeah. What's that like? How's that? That's... Uh... I find it's one of the most uh, humbling and uh, best experience as a, as a performer, um, because uh, I'll 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 perform and uh, I'll I'll have people walk and not have any reaction, and uh, I'll have uh, people who have reactions. You know, um, there's one time uh, a lady uh, she she passed by. And she just kept on looking back. She went all the way to the stairs, you know, st still staring at me. So I was peeping at my corner of my eye. You get to learn these skill, new skills. <laughs> then she comes all the way back down and waits for me to finish the song. And I could tell in her eyes that like something was going on, you know, like uh, something that I and her could only understand, no one else could understand. And uh, when I finished performing that song, she just, she just told me, like, thank you so much. Um, the, the song reminds me a lot of my husband, you know. And mind you, I was just singing original songs, my own songs, you know. I, I don't do covers. And uh, Respect. <laughs> and uh, she, uh, she told me that. And obviously she gave me money, but uh, it was just that reaction. Those, lo those little reactions you get, um, it reminds you of, what you're doing, you know? 
So busking is is a is a. Are there I like, see it. As, are there like rules to busking? Because the one time I looked into it, it seemed to say like if you have performing opportunities, you should probably not busk. That's the, that was what it like made me feel like when I watch at least not the STM because like they have like the whole like program or whatever that they do. Like, are there rules yeah. for it? For the STM, um, basically, uh, there's like the main metros, like the pay, big, big, the dollar pay metros. Um, no, they removed that law. No, there's no, there's no law. All you gotta do is uh, there's, a, there's that sign, that musical sign, but the harp, like the instrument right. harp. Right. Um, there's a paper that's hidden, and that paper is people's schedules, artist performers' schedules. So they just say I go to Outwater Metro, um, and I see that next to the sign, I see the paper, and uh, if I'm the first one, obviously at 5:30, I write 5:30, then people go. So every 30 minutes, um, to every one hour, um, you get to perform for. It. You know, so uh, usually the best metros will be where. People, artists will line up like at 5 30, 5 a.m. Like 5 30 in the, in the morning. Yeah, that's coming. <laughs> 5 30 in the morning to, to write their names for uh, 6 o'clock, for 8 o'clock, you know, at a, at a big metro because it does pay. I'm not going to lie. Yo, Busking pays. Probably pays better than I make doing a lot of other things with, with the um, I can't lie. I'll, I'll, I'll make a. What I was making the day, I could make it in Boston in uh, one hour, two hours. And that day, to, uh, so like you're able to sign up at more than one spot, or is it more like you have to go yeah. to the metro at five thirty in the morning, or is there like a central metro place? Well, you just got to know what, what what your budget is, right? If you're trying to make, let's just say, uh, like I don't want my Boston people to get mad at me or whatever, but uh, let's just say you want to make a uh, two hundred dollars, um, you know, you have to choose. Uh, we have four metros. Got to choose. Got to choose uh, two the ones that pay a lot, and uh, two other ones that you might make fifty bucks in uh, in a thirty in an hour. You know, so if you're doing four metros and uh, that's four hours of work, you could you could easily make two hundred dollars and more in a day. Yeah, that's serious. <laughs> I can see why your busking friends don't want you to tell people like me that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a pain. Montreal, Montreal, they they pay, they pay. Um, I just find it humbling because I don't have the greatest voice. I'm far, I'm far away from having the greatest voice, and uh, I someone like me could just go ahead and metro and uh, make a living off of that. Yeah, I never even thought about it. Like, I swear, I always wanted to busk just because it looks fucking cool. And every now and again, there'd be somebody. It's possible it's fucking you. It's possible I just walked by you at Snowden and you were the guy that was just rapping, doing a thing over at fucking the Metro. Um, oh. But like, no, yeah, I perform at Snowden. I'm like ninety percent certain in hindsight it was you. And then I think about it. Uh, but then, oh, uh, yeah, I'm at, yo, dude, I used to be at Snowden like every day five. 30 p.m. ish that time of day if you ever did like the five to six yes. slot at snowden yeah 100 up until i got my cycle on a, a pass butter i've seen jay uno a bunch so like me and jay uno yeah that's that what now. him was performing with no shit then i, I have 100 i've seen you performing with jay uno because like oh. uh i mean i know jay uno but like uh yeah i should fucking hit him up to do one of these anyway but yeah like uh so i know jay uno uh, cause from back in the day, he used to perform at Crowbar 
on their like Wednesday oh. night jam session. So I have this vivid memory of like busting in one time because it was like a open mic jam session, but they would let you freestyle. So like I came through and I'm like, I can freestyle with the saxophone. No shit. So I did. It was one of those fucking nights. I will never forget it for like the rest of my life. I have not really performed with anybody else that played a sax except for Jay Uno like that one time in that like tiny bar to like twelve people. Great night. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Jay Uno, man. That's my man. That's my man. We grew up in the same hood, then, you know? So yeah. He's extremely talented. He dropped this fucking yeah. contest entry thing for my shits. And he had this, like, watch what you say, like, laws of attraction by, like, sp speak it into existence, like, you're a money magnet thing. I'm like, bro, that is, like, that's nice. Like, everything he said was just so fucking profound. I fucks with Jay Uno heavy. Like, I haven't talked to him much, but he's one of my favorite people in Montreal. I swear. Just at least I how he puts himself through. into the world. Yeah, I spoke to him, a thing last week. Yeah, he's doing good. That's blessed. Um, so you and Jay Uno, yo, the busking game sounds nifty. I don't think I would do it a lot. I might try it one time, but I don't think I'd do it a lot just on some. I like the Twitch game a lot. Yo, but you could busk on Twitch. I could? Yo, bro, I'm telling you, that's like, okay, so I'm like, I was being a little salty because I was in a salty mood. Sometimes you just get a little salty. But like my girlfriend is sitting there for four and a half hours watching this fucking guy who used to work at Disney play piano and sing other people's songs. And I was like bamboozled by this because, you know, you make original music, this and that, and you get caught up in your feelings sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. But it made me realize like you, you can just do it with original music and people will still fucking come. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be covered. She just happened to like that one. But like, yo, basically you lock into a Twitch. It, logistically technologically it's way easier than you might think and then you just do the busking thing to the internet and uh technically there's a built-in donation system as in uh you achieve a certain threshold you get what they call affiliate and then uh people can subscribe to you uh, like a monetary way and they can donate bits which is like pennies it's like they throw pennies at the strip club is my like metaphor for it and uh, uh it's lit though like you watch guys like pre-chancobia uh and he's on twitch a lot he's a huge reason why i'm on twitch actually as i spoke with him oh. and he he saw what i was doing and he called me up and told me fuck your youtube go on twitch there i don't know if you ever spoke to preach when he gets passionate but like he gets uh -huh. in uh next thing you know i'm on twitch and he's right like at a fiscal level i've done way better on twitch with a bad month on Twitch is better than my good month on YouTube. For real? Yo, YouTube's garbage. People are chasing this YouTube dollar because they don't know how bad the YouTube dollar is. <laughs> it's not a good dollar. <laughs> it's like an okay, okay. Like, if you're getting five-figure views religiously, I bet YouTube's a better dollar than what I get. <clears throat> but, like, with the view counts we all get over here, I'm just telling you, YouTube's like a... You'll get two payouts a year if you're lucky. As in a hundred dollar payouts a year. I'm not legally allowed to tell you what I do with YouTube on some fuck just in case because there's like a tur you can't say specific numbers, but you can be vague enough. You can get like I can get about two payouts a year. Maybe three in a good year. That's where it's at. It's like two to three hundred. That's it. That's YouTube. That's all I get. And I got half a million views. Sure. Let's say and Twitch is way more Twitch has the direct donation, so 
Twitch also has uh, built into it Amazon Prime subscription model thing. So because it's owned by Amazon, if I have Prime, I could go to the OO Jones channel and give you a free sub. So every month I get one free subscription. Now a subscription on Twitch is not like YouTube. It's money. A follow on YouTube is like Twitch. Uh, sorry, a follow on Twitch is like for YouTube. So you hit follow, that's like the account. Subscription is a money thing. So when people subscribe to you, uh, they also unlock the ability to get your custom emotes, which are like emojis. So you can upload a Ovo face or your brand or whatever. I have my girlfriend, this Montreal love one, etc., etc. So you, you upload it, it all makes sense for your channel. But if I have Amazon Prime, I can come do this for you. And if I subscribe, you get 250 USD. And so if you got a bunch of people at Amazon Prime, in theory, you can now get a bunch of X amount for free a month just on some basic hustle shit. I'm not really that kind of person, so I feel guilty and annoying when I go harass people for that shit. But like, in theory, you could probably pull two, three hundred dollars a month on Twitch just off of that, plus whatever you can pull organic on like building up your fan base. Then if you're at like a T-Pain level, it's probably like a thousand dollars a stream. Like if you look at what T-Pain gets, and just numbers of subscriptions he's probably pulling to a point where like each streams five hundred a thousand dollars no lie that's not like everybody but it's attainable damn are and you guys switch i guess yeah and plus you can just do shit like yo me and this dude meyer clarity went live and basically learned how to make nfts on a stream and i had seven people the whole time it was fucking crazy how little like when i say how little you do but like you obviously have to like you know know what you're doing a bit in terms of talking yeah. but like if you want to motivate people you could literally just do motivation time with fucking obo jones and just go live for like two hours and just talk to people was it something that you do every every day or every week yeah i go live six times a week no no lie <laughs> i swear i do like three of these interviews a week um plus on tuesdays we have a cypher where we just lay down beats and all Montreal beats and then people with freestyles and then the Twitch chat can uh, pick topics. So like yesterday, Vince Price was like your favorite movies or Golden Jenny was like Golden Taste. And we're like, the fuck does Golden Taste mean? Nobody knows, but you roll with it because it's a freestyle cipher. Uh, and then uh, I do. I started writing music live on Twitch. I said, what? why not so i wrote like a whole project on twitch live to the audience i'm gonna re-record it off cam for the sake of i have to redo it in time efficiency and whatever whatever but for the most part i just kind of want to record my music and write it all live to the audience like why wow. not i think it's like the oh, golden jenny's here she's from norway golden jenny from norway she's literally in jenny norway. yeah golden jenny she's watching she's from norway like you you get that Hello. kind of stuff um <laughs> yo and then only fans too fuck i don't know if you've seen the ads but only fans is trying to remind people that they're from more than porn stars so i'm getting these djs come to only fans ads and shit so with that yeah. there's also just patreon and shit like there's so many cool things on the internet right now um yeah Twitch is blessed. It's like, think talk radio, think music creation, think like, like if YouTube was live and sloppy, that's what Twitch is. 
live sloppy YouTube, whereas like YouTube is more polished and pristine. People come to uh, Twitch for more of that like raw organic experience. You might see what you're doing. You. I like I like the community too. Also, like it's not gamer Twitch. I don't know. Gamer Twitch is fucking weird. I'm not a hundred percent into that culture. It's its own thing, and I don't understand it. But music Twitch, yo, bro, I love music Twitch. Everywhere you go, it's like awesome people. It is like the opposite of everything you've ever experienced with the internet. I've I've encountered virtually no haters or no fucking trolls. It's just people are cool. I've never had that like to the level. Oh, and there's raids. There's this whole built-in culture of like networking. So take this dude DJ Overflow who's fucking around with the coordination of under pressure this year. One day he appears on I think the under pressure Twitch. So we discover he's there because my homeboy Ishmael, who's just like the most dope fan dude ever. He's also from Montreal. Um, he tells me, yo go to the, the under pressure stream so i take my audience like we're gonna do that at the end of this stream i take my audience and we hit up the next channel and we raid them so we all invade and now my audience that was live is watching this person stream so they get a boost um and then uh what the djs have figured out i'm trying to explain to the rappers the djs have figured out <laughs> is if you like take uh 10 a.m. to like midnight and you fill that with a bunch of people you carry an audience throughout the day and you get like this collaborative fucking win international fucking everywhere everywhere not as easy to explain to the rappers um but like slowly we're getting there and i feel like there's a lot of it's not it is not the same real life connection that you like like you were describing but like Watching a bunch of people crack the fuck up on a Zoom call is still pretty good. You know, like, there's still, like, a connection there more than it's not. So it got me realizing that, like, in these times where, let's be real, it's not going to just be simple to just go throw a show at a bar and expect people to show up. It's not just going to get any easier for us. It might be easier for a lot of other people, but I think for the bulk of us, we're going to discover that the situation didn't change a lot. This Twitch version, where legit you could rap on beat and stream that to an audience, boom, 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 sing, whatever, whatever. Like, we mm. could do this, like, raid train shit, and then I bring my audience to you, you bring your audience to the next person. And, yo, like, let's be real. All of us from our own homes just doing a 30-minute. We could fucking do seven of these in a day <laughs> if we were all to organize and coordinate at that level. Like, there's so much potential with Twitch. It's just way more agile than real life. <laughs> yeah, <but> yeah. <laughs> I see what you mean. Being, being able to be at different places for a whole 10 to 8. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's all like hypotheticals that I have the foundation of the DJs to, to work with, but it's also what Twitch wants. Like Twitch and they go, like Twitch just wants this. They're competing heavy and they they decided to be cool with music. They're not cool with gaming. Gaming's weird, but yo, like they did that copyright strike Armageddon thing, but none of the DJs got hit. Weird, mm -hmm. eh? 
None of the DJs Perfect. got hit. It was just gamers. So all the DJs are still playing illegal music all the fucking time, day in, day out. Yeah, we do it all the time. We play your music. I don't give a fuck. After this is done, they're going to mute some shit. Nobody's watching that. They're going to skip ahead to the interview. So this part's all good in the hood. Anything of value is all good. People are there for the live on Twitch. So they let the copyright roll through. You could legit just do reaction videos like it's 2014 on YouTube. Shit, that'd be crazy. <laughs> it's a wild reaction time. videos. Sorry, I said reaction videos. Yeah, like I, it's not my cup of tea. Is like I don't like making them, but you can do it on Twitch now in like a way that like you don't even have to fucking try and edit it. Just go live, watch other people's. Like yo, I, if you go watch the beginning part of this stream, you're gonna watch me sitting there like for like fucking the whole thing of your song i don't even like say a word because nobody was talking to me yeah people talk to me i talk back but otherwise you're just watching people's fucking like those are the lazy parts of my stream i feel like i'm protected because it's to promote this interview fair use bullshit <laughs> you know like but like in theory yeah twitch is in a very lenient place that it might not be in next year <laughs> hey take advantage now yeah um honestly I, I i'm not really sure what else to ask you at this point i feel like everything is kind of like you've managed to boil things down into the most simple essence of it which i find highly impressive but also makes it hard to dive deep when you're like bro you just break it down into the parts put it together and make sure it makes sense and i'm like that's the most complete fucking answer ever every fucking time <laughs> <laughs> well, um, obviously, like, um, you know, talk is cheap. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I, I got to do it. You know, it's a ongoing process. You know, um, this artistry doesn't just, it's not overnight. It's, it's like an, an oven, you know, it's like baking food. It's not frying food. So um, I'm not perfect. And uh, the, the cool thing is that, um, especially especially those who follow me on Facebook, uh, you know, um, you realize that eventually you realize that I'm just talking to myself. Mm. You know, um, most of the time it's, uh, I'll be posting things and uh, at the end of the day, I'll just look at the post and be like, oh yeah, what was I thinking at this time? Why? I was just evaluating myself and uh, just find it funny when uh, people uh, react to these things and uh, it makes me realize that I'm not alone feeling these things, but every day is a, opportunity to learn and improve like man it's just beautifully put concise clear the metaphor made sense it's like really well done like your entire life is like living poetry i like your mind a lot um i think yeah, you're like it. a wonderful force and a lot of the things you put into the world like you know they probably planted seeds that have grown into things today that maybe you didn't know back in the day had the impact that they would end up having later on in life like in the way the world's connected i'm not here today talking to you if you weren't like doing that show that one time <laughs> like it's just the facts <laughs> of a situation i did that before this and therefore it led me to this moment and I know other people have at least one other person who's doing some interesting things today basically say you played a role in their life and it was impactful. So it's like, that's big. 
<laughs> you know, not everyone can actually awesome. walk away with that. Yeah, no, so that's just really cool. So I just wanted to make sure you got your flowers for that and that you knew that you, you know, you have had impact and that as you continue to do more things, you will continue to have impact and that people respect you. It's fucking cool. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And uh, you too, um, keep grinding. Um, obviously, it's the beginning. And uh, with time, you're gonna, your show is going to become really big, you know, um, especially the way you ask questions. It's very, uh, very different. And uh, it, it, uh, it's very, it makes people want to answer. So appreciate just, it. I'm curious. Like, if we were hanging out legit, it's more or less what it is, right? We just talk. You know, like, and I learned that people care a lot more about people than they care about the things that we do. Like, they care more that we do things than they care about the things that we do. And I see a lot of us get, like, really almost offended at that idea. And I'm like, wait, they think we're interesting. I'm like, that's not, like, the the worst thing in the world to have happen. Um, Sorry. No worries at all. But, yeah, with that. It's great to, I'm not worried about me, man. I get to have conversations like this a bunch of times a week in times like this. Like if anything, I, I just feel more charged up and inspired than I've ever been. And this is just the beginning of a lot of other things that would never have happened if I wasn't sitting here doing this and it just kind of unlocked doors. So I'm just grateful. Like I'm grateful that somehow I've managed to, for over six months, maintain this like three to four a week schedule. It just has worked out with very few right. cancellations like 90 per 95 percent of them have just gone as they should have and that's like such a gift <laughs> how does that happen in life mm. so like, it can, it can avoid destiny you know? so i feel like it's just cool and there's a lot of support for it and people like you coming through and sharing your story as to the the volume of cataloging montreal and showing that it's like a real thing with a lot of contributors so once we can add perspective, we'll see like a brighter future for all of us. But yo, thank you for being here for real. Um, thank you all for like watching too. We appreciate you. Those on the live that are always sticking it through. It's always it's always just amazing that you do this. Thank you all in the future watching this for real because, I mean, oh, it's also good for that. And uh, make sure to follow, subscribe, like, all those good things. Definitely special thanks to the patrons. Ismail Gadamsi, Chris Pryor, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black Hurricane, Linda Williams, Scribbler, the Top, support what we do, all that good stuff. If you want to support what we do, patreon.com slash behind that soup. On that note, um, I feel like you're a little frozen up with us, but I don't know. We can still hear you. I hope you can still hear us. I definitely appreciate having you here again with us, Mr. Oa Jones. Thank you all again uh for doing this uh for being here with us i'm going to start the raid and i'm going to leave it with that uh live long and prosper mm -hmm.